Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Episode 6 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. As we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, I'm Price Atkinson, joined, as always, by Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. we got a lot to get into tonight, especially that opening leg of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy that went down in Colorado Springs over the weekend. We're going to get into all that, get you ready for this weekend's upcoming games. <sighs> TMF on a roll. I mean, we got a lot to cover, guys, tonight, but before we do it, Mike, tell our friends, tell our listeners who are investing their time with us today, tonight, this morning, wherever it is, wherever they are, about Ticket Smarter. Sure sure thing, Price. Ticket Smarter. Hey, college football fans, we know that with the season cranked back up, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. We want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. And Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as their official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Take 5% off your purchases of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just for one-time use. No siree. Use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats at the, to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with a Ticket Smarter app or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember our code, GRIDIRON22. Think smarter. Use Ticket Smarter. Thank you, Michael. Well done. Real quickly, before we move a step ahead, it is good to see both of you guys and our thoughts and prayers with not just everybody in the greater Tampa area where you all are, but especially South, Fort Myers, and Santa Bell Island places that unfortunately bore the brunt of Hurricane Ian. It's not pretty. Uh, our thoughts and prayers to everybody down there that was affected. Mike, I know you said you guys were affected very minimally, though, compared to kind of what was uh, expected. I know we had minimal – Just, I mean, it was really a minimal event up here. Uh, obviously, the same cannot be said for our friends uh, south of you guys uh, of Tampa, but uh, it's just honestly just great to see you both tonight know that you and your families are, are okay. Oh, we appreciate that price. Yeah, we, we got lucky here in the Tampa area, a little bit of damage, but uh, our neighbors down south, about 30, 40, 50 miles down south in the Fort Myers area, they, they, they're, uh, they're, in a, you know, they're in some tough times right now. So appreciate that. Uh, Steve, how'd you guys do? Yeah, we made out great here in, in St. Petersburg. We never even lost power, uh, which, is, which is amazing to think with everything that went on. Uh, you know, I think the winds got up to about 55 or 60 miles an hour here but uh wasn't wasn't bad really uh at all i sat around and watched uh and watched the race game that, that <laughs> evening in, in houston so it was like ah, I, I don't really have a problem with this this is uh 
this is going to be an easy one for me. So, but yeah, I consider myself extremely fortunate. I've got friends that are in the uh, Sarasota area in Venice that, that suffered a little bit of damage and then others down in Fort Myers. Uh, my, one of my bosses with major league baseball uh, lost his house uh, in the mm. storm. And so uh, I'm certainly, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly thinking about everybody that's down in that area in the Fort Myers, uh, Sanibel, Naples area uh, that mm -hmm. really uh, caught a, a really a, just a devastating storm. Yeah, absolutely. Our thoughts and prayers are to and with everybody down there that was affected. So we told you we're part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Make sure you download, listen, subscribe. You get us a new episode every single Tuesday. Just go to your favorite place you want. Your pot, you get your podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Just search College Gridiron Coast to Coast, or you can put it in the yards and stripes. We will come up and hit that little subscribe button so it's delivered right to your device every single week. Guys, opening leg of the Commander in Chief trophy air force at navy uh the falcons hosting the midshipmen and it was the falcons getting the leg up in the opening leg of the cic trophy a 13 to 10 victory over the midshipmen this was a prototypical service academy showdown in game with the way i think this thing played out we obviously going in we saw we had a pretty good sample size of both teams i didn't think this thing would be very close especially being played at Air Force. And the last time I was out at Air Force was for one of these exact games. And it was a bludgeoning uh, when Navy got beat. I believe it was 40 to 7. So that's the last really memory I've got of being out in Colorado Springs. And this thing was anything but that. It looked like it was going to be a shootout, guys, uh, from the start. Third play from scrimmage, uh, Hazik Daniels to David Cormier, 67 yards on the third play of the game. Defender bid on a play fake, and really after that, Navy's defense was lights out. They were really good, and their rush defense was as advertised. I think they got a little worn down late, uh, but that quick 10-0 start really proved to be the biggest difference in the game. Maybe that very that third play from scrimmage, guys, of the big play, 67 yards, Daniels to Cormier, you could even say that was the difference in the game. We'll talk about it. Your thoughts, uh, Michael, getting out of the gate here. Yeah, you know, a game went on the same time as the as the Army uh, Army Georgia State game. So you see the ticker first quarter, you see ten nothing Air Force. You're like, oh, here they go, uh, you know, as we expected. And then it just kind of never got that way. I was surprised to see Hazik Daniel was with two key turnovers that really kept Navy in the game in the first half. It could have yeah. it could have very easily been 24-3 at half. Uh, but Air Force had those turnovers. Uh, I, I really think you, you mentioned the Navy defense. I think I think we'll we'll probably get into this a little bit later. But mm -hmm. I think really the story of the game was the Air Force defense. Incredible effort there. Uh, but yeah, you know, you, we we come into this. I think Air Force closed at a 14 point favorite, maybe a 15 point favorite. I think we all thought it was going to be close to that. But you know, you, you get these service academies together, and sometimes you just throw away the records. Uh, Navy hang Navy hung in there in the first half because of those Air Force uh, turnovers. And they yep. were able just to kind of stay in the game, had a chance there late, uh, but then Air Force uh, did what they had to do. You know, as good teams do, they did what they had to do to win, and then they closed yep. out the game against Navy. They just couldn't put anything together on the last drive. I think they went uh, minus five yards on the last drive of the game. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, a little bit sluggish for Air Force. They made the most mistakes, but they still found a way to win. And uh, leg, like you said, leg up on the CIC trophy, and they'll be uh, they'll definitely be a heavy favorite going into their game against 
Army in Dallas, um, November sixth, November fifth, fifth if that's a Saturday, if I remember correctly. Steve, yeah, I I thought that yeah I I got to give Ty Labatai and uh, Navy's offense uh, credit for getting back into the game. You know, you end up uh, going down ten nothing, and and I was just like the two of you when I saw that it was ten nothing in the first. You're thinking, all right, here we go. It's going to be another forty to seven game here. And the Falcons are just going to blow the the middies out of the water. But credit the uh, the Navy offense for getting things going in the third quarter, getting the game tied. Uh, you know, when you get to 10-10 and you're thinking, oh, okay, now now the game's afoot, and we'll see what happens. And it turns out the game was literally afoot <laughs> with the, yeah. with the with the late field goal. But you know, give Air Force credit; uh, they didn't get the the running game going until the very end of the game, you think about it. They had 200 yards on the ground. 90 of them came on the final two drives uh, of the game for them. Mm-hmm. So they really did, you know, you credit Navy's defense early, but you got to credit uh, coach Calhoun and the offense for sticking to the plan and getting uh, those yards late to, to salt the game away. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Steve, one real quick question for you. You mentioned Navy's offense. Well, I'd love to get your thoughts on that last drive. Navy comes out, gets a <laughs> delay of game on yeah. the first down, and then Not three pretty. state three straight pass attempts with over four minutes left in the game, and they're at their own twenty-five. So they got seventy-five yards to go, but they got four minutes to do it. I, you know, I kind of thought that was a little bit. You know, I think I thought they got away from their identity. I know Lavatai had a good day passing. I know they only had maybe 120, 114 yards of rushing offense. I think yeah. at that point, but but still, you know, you, you'd think that they would they would try to establish uh, the, the rush presence and rush offense. I was just I was kind of surprised at how they handled that last drive. Uh, yeah, it was <clears throat> it was it was handled uh, in in the in to to put it bluntly, it was handled poorly. Uh, I thought I thought at that point they had I, I think that uh, the offense had run out of gas. I, I really didn't think they had much at that point. You mentioned the, the delay of game to, to start things out. So you're already now first in 15. Uh, and I really do think that at that point you're thinking, OK, now we have to now we have to try and get a large chunk of that back here uh, on first down to try and make it second and manageable to keep the, to keep the uh, drive going. And once you uh, go incomplete on first and 15, now you've got it. Now, now you're in full pass mode. And so uh, once, once they fell behind the sticks because of the penalty, I think it took the running plays uh, out of the playbook for that last drive. And and then they end up having to punt. Yeah. I, even without the penalty, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, I guess, Mike, do you stick to your identity with four minutes to go? I, I don't think you do. I mean, at that point, you just got to move the daggum football. And running the football is something they hadn't been able to do all year. The Air Force defense was outstanding pretty much from start to finish. Um, the other thing is I, I think they only had one timeout at that point. So Yeah. I, I didn't – I thought you got to do something a little bit different maybe at that point to try and get – I mean, you, yeah, you scored one touchdown, but, I mean, they were only averaging three yards, you know, per carry. Um, Lavatai had thrown it pretty well um, up until that point. Um, 
you know, like you said, though, a 10-10 game, Matthew DePore's 22-yard field goal puts them up 13-10. to That's the lead that they would not relinquish. Air Force, you know, uh, the defense held strong three and out. Uh, Navy's got to punt it, and Air Force then ran out the clock. Uh, Hazik Daniels was about 18-yard uh, rush on third down, and that was it. But, you know, I think it was Steve, you mentioned 200 yards rushing, you know, for Air Force in the football game. They average, that's under half of what they averaged, 412 coming into the game, and 90 of it came on their last two drives. But, you know, I think that I think it was Mike that mentioned that made this comment. This was a good football team just making plays when they had to, and they did it on both sides of the ball, honestly. Uh, they did it on offense late. They wore Navy down, but their defense really made the plays on a day when offensively Hazik Daniels wasn't at his best. Um, putting the ball on the ground twice in the first half, letting Navy hang around, giving them some semblance of life, going into the locker room like, hey, we could pull this off. And they almost did. But in all in all, this was just a better football team that won the game despite it being close. Air Force improving to 4-1, and one, Navy dropping to 1-3, and three, as now this game will turn and all eyes will be on in Dallas November 5th for that Air Force Army game that – where Air Force now has a chance for the first time since 2016 to win their first uh, or win their first CIC trophy since 2016 with the win over Army on November 5th there in Dallas. Just to remind our listeners, Air Force does lead the CIC trophy uh, hunt with 20 all-time, Navy 16, and Army with nine. All right, let's move along and get to Georgia State at Army. The Black Knights, guys, this is one I did not see coming. I will fully, fully admit this one. I did not see Georgia State walking into Mikey and getting a 31-14 to win. Their first win of the season, mind you, for the Panthers, improving to 1-4 and four. Army, dropping to 1-3. and three. I mean, Darren Granger, the quarter – or Darren Granger for um, Georgia State, ran for a touchdown, threw for another. Um, they, they got up big, uh, 17 to nothing, pretty much at halftime. Um, a field goal to open the scoring. Then it was a shank punt by Army. Um, the Panthers took advantage. Granger scoring on a 13-yard keeper. And then a 33-yard run by Jameis Williams. They were up 17. And, you know, give credit to Army. They weren't out of it. You know, the Black Knights scored on the first drive of the second half. A Tyher Tyler one-yard run. And then on the first play of the fourth quarter, a Tyher Tyler five-yard touchdown run to make it 17-14. to uh, but Army got the ball back after a fumble, and then with a chance to go ahead, the Black Knights stopped on fourth and goal at the Georgia State one, and that was pretty much all she wrote after fighting to get back in this football game but could not climb that mountain. Michael, I, I mean, I, watching the game and then going back and looking at it, you look at the things, it, it came down to, to three things, uh, or two things really for me. Three costly turnovers in 0-4 on fourth down, which in a lot of ways are like turnovers. Yeah, and two of those turnovers, particularly the one at the end on downs, was fourth and one. And, uh, you know, it was 17-14 at the time. If you listen to the postgame press conference, I don't know that I've heard Jeff Munkin that down after a, a loss in the postgame presser. He he was, I mean, really the, the best word was uh, dejected, really. I mean, it was... It was just a, a very hard loss for the team. It, it's a game they should have won. Granger had a pretty good day passing, but I, I think they only they only passed 12 times. He was 8, eight mm-hmm. for 12 passing, so it was really the Georgia State ground game. 
Uh, but I really think it was more the turnovers. Uh, Tyrell Robinson had a turnover plus muffed another punt. Uh, that's that's two he's muffed this year. And then um, uh, the B-back had a uh, drive-ending fumble in the first half as well. Uh, Munkin said in his post-game press where they just gave away the first half, he was absolutely right. Come out, played well the second half, but again, they, they had that crucial uh, uh, Tyrell Robinson fumble to end a drive deep in Georgia state territory. And then they had the fourth and one, they could have kicked the field goal. Jeff Munkin said, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. Uh, fourth and one, the metrics, they're probably 90 to 95% successful on fourth and ones over the last five years. And they had it third and one and fourth and one, and they just couldn't get it in. And uh, like you said, that was, uh, you know, they haven't, and then they have Georgia state backed up at their own one and Georgia state was able to get out. So yeah, a really disappointing day for Army, and you know that, that the game was disappointing. Turnovers, uh, still kind of banged up on the offensive line, missed assignments uh, on the defense. There was one play uh, where the safety come in and could have made the tackle for a loss five yards in the backfield. The receiver runs right through him and scores yeah. on I think maybe a 25, 30 yard rushing touchdown, maybe 15 yard rushing touchdown. Uh, it was just a really disappointing day for Army. If you're Army. You got to look at that schedule and you got to figure out where you're going to get to six wins to become bowl eligible to get to the independence bowl at, at this point. Uh, Connecticut's not as bad as they've always been. Navy looked good against air force or Navy hung in there with air force. I'm not going to say they look good. Troy's a good team. Uh, you know, you're, you're facing wake force and air force uh, to those two teams in the next five weeks. So, so now you got to start thinking, not only are we not meeting the season expectations, but, now a bowl game is in question for the Black Knights. Yeah, and I look at it. I look at it this way: uh, Georgia State played almost like a service academy team. You look at how much they ran the football. They had almost 300 yards uh, of offense on the ground, and were averaging six and a half yards a rush. So they that, they did a very good job of playing. I, I I wouldn't call them a service. It was, but it was service academy like. They they yeah. did a very good job. Uh, with the with the read option, uh, they had a lot of RPO uh, opportunities there, where they where they used uh, a, an opportunity, whether it was Granger or, or one of the backs. They had two backs go for over 100 yards on the ground, so uh, each. So I, I I think they did a really good job of being able to take large chunks of yards when they had the opportunity because they didn't. It's not like they they held the ball for uh, a ridiculous amount of time. In fact, the time of possession went the other way. It was almost. 40 minutes to 20 minutes in favor of, of the black Knights. But it's just that Georgia state cut huge swaths of yardage uh, out of the field when they, when they needed it. Yeah. And they were getting big touch. I mean, they were, these were big play touchdowns, you know, and that's part of the time of possession where that's going to skew a little bit more in army's favor. When you score quickly or on a big play, you know, a 33 yard touchdown, a 57, a 56, you know, an army, an army now giving up 299 yards rushing in the game. They now rank 127 out of 131 out of 131 FBS teams in stopping the run. They just, you know, I feel like it's the middle uh, of that Army defense since you've given up the big plays. You know, you got to play sound football on the edge, but it's right up the gut. It's between the tackles, and that to me is where I see the problem, Mike, at least giving up these huge big chunk plays on the ground. And it happened, obviously, again to a team, you know, that had struggled a little bit on the run, you know, running the ball. Yeah, Ross, uh, Ross Tucker said it best on the broadcast, Georgia State out-armied Army. And I, I think you're right. If You, you just got to start being concerned about Army's defense at some point. You know, Andre Carter does not look like an All-American, and, and quite frankly, through the first – 
through the first four games of the season, he doesn't even look like an NFL draft pick. I, I, they've been using him in multiple uh, in multiple configurations. They've dropped him back in pass coverage more than this year than they have last year. Uh, he's been a stand-up, uh, kind of an outside linebacker role much mm-hmm. more this year than last year. He's, he's not rushed the passer as a hand down on the ground defensive end as much as he did last year. But I, 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 I know they're doing that to get his film for the NFL but he, he's not as dominant as he has been because they moved him around the defense. Uh, the, the interior of the defense uh, gives up those, like you said, those middle yards, middle yardage plays, just like Army does with their B-back. And they're not able to stop it. The linebacking core is not as good as they have been in recent years, and that's really showing uh, as, as teams take advantage of that and really kind of give Army a taste of their own medicine with kind of pounding the ball up the middle and doing sustained drives, which benefits the other teams because it keeps their defense fresh and it, it enables them to withstand some of that Army uh, c- constant pounding. And then it puts – the other thing the other teams have done, what Georgia State did here that, that was Army-esque, was they played really mistake-free football. They did have one fumble, but they only had four penalties. They didn't throw any interceptions. They were generally conservative through the air. They let Army make the mistakes. Army, had, again, two, two fumbles – not converting a couple close first uh, fourth downs. They were 0 for 4 on fourth down. That um, The passing game was, quite frankly, it was bad. Cade Ballard missed a wide open receiver in the corner of the end zone that would have given Army the lead uh, on that possession we talked about that ended on the fourth and one. Uh, so they let Army make the mistakes. That's what Army, Army normally does to other teams. Yeah. I, I One of our loyal listeners, uh, a buddy of mine, West Point grad, uh, Stephen Astenborski, shout out to Stephen, uh, listens to the podcast every week, sent me a note Saturday night and got me to go back and look. I was kind of curious when he said, could it be, how late could this be before Army finally wins or beats a uh, Division One FBS team uh, this season? And I went back and looked at the schedule. You got at Wake Forest this week, then home against Colgate, UL Monroe, and then you travel and play Air Force at a neutral site before you're at Troy, and then UConn, uh, middle of November. I don't think it's going to take November. I think they're going to get something sooner than that. But, boy, like you said, bowl eligibility now uh, might becoming a little bit of uh, a worry if you're a uh, Army Black Knight fan. And certainly we're worried here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. All right. Uh, once again, Army falling 31-14 to to Georgia State at Mikey Stadium now, uh, getting ready this weekend to travel to Winston-Salem and to play the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, ranked 15th in the country. we got to get out of here, and when we come back, we're going to give out our game balls this week. I think we all might be thinking we're going the same direction and we'll tell you about that give out our game balls when we come back next here on yards and stripes your home or service academy football it's everything you need to know about service academy football yards and stripes continues here once again are price steve and mike time to give our game balls and you know what game we're probably going to be looking at yeah it's the biggie Commander-in-Chief Trophy, the opening leg in Colorado Springs. But hang on, guys. First, I got to tell you about BetUS.com. You know, we talk about it every week, and we're going to do it again real quick right now. With the college football season well underway, we are in October. And, folks, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been the pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years? thriving, and paying, yes, paying their loyal customers face quickly and securely. Well, we want you to go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we've got for you. On our shows from the College Gridiron Coast to Coast, 
Podcast Network. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Let me explain that 125% sign-up bonus. Put 100 bucks in, folks, you get an additional 125 to play with. 200 bucks initially deposited, well, that's going to get you 250 and so on. And BetUS has the NFL, the Major League Baseball postseason, which is around the corner. The NBA is on, is on tap, and almost any sport you can think of or wager on. Regardless of the sport, we want you to be with us all season long at BetUS.com. Again, check them out online at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. Guys, gals, BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid, and that is the name of the game, guys. All right, game ball time. We are all tracking our uh, brains. We're all going in that exact same direction. We're looking in the middle of that Air Force defense. Mike, I'm going to let you fire away because we are all thinking that linebacking core of the Air Force Falcons. Mike? Yeah, Price, I'll start with uh, (laughs) TD Blackman. he had seven tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss. So that's my Air Force linebacker I'm going to go with. Uh, what about you? I'm going to go with junior linebacker Alec Mock. A career-high 13 tackles, one-and-a-half tackles for a loss. His previous high in tackles was 11 against Boise State in 2021. So you got Blackman, you got Mock. Let's make it a clean, a clean sweep here, Mr. Carney. I'm going to take the senior because seniors, you know, run the show in these <laughs> conferences. And so I'm going to take a senior linebacker, Vince Sanford, who had 10 tackles, including two for loss, and two of those were solo. It, let's face it, the, the Air Force linebacking core was the, the group to beat here this past weekend when it comes to service academy football. And unfortunately for Navy and unfortunately for Army, nobody could beat the Falcons this weekend. And that's why uh, the linebackers get all the game balls from us. TD Blackman, Alec Mock, and Vince Sanford, your game balls, the Air Force Falcons starting linebacking core. That's the way we're going, and that's the way we have done it this week with our game balls here on Episode 6 of Yards and Stripes, your home home for Service Academy football. Like I told you before, you can listen to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcasts every single week. We are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Just search College Gridiron Coast to Coast or even Yards and Stripes. Hit that subscribe button. You will get us every single week. All right, when we come back, our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor a fallen hero every single week. That's coming up next right here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you, too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Welcome back to the Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. You know it's time for our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor a member a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. 
And this week, we're going to honor remember Patrick Delaney Feeks. Patrick passed away in southern Afghanistan, gave the ultimate sacrifice when the helicopter he was in was shot down by enemy fire on August the 16th, 2012. And Patrick was a native of Edgewater, Maryland, just right outside of Annapolis. And he was assigned to SEAL Team 3 out of Coronado, California. He had done several previous tours of duty in Iraq, but this was his first one in Afghanistan. And he had always wanted to be a Navy SEAL from a very young age. And he joined the Navy later because he had to get surgery to correct uh, his vision so he could qualify for screening standards. Pat was an avid bicyclist and sportsman his entire life. But he was honored posthumously with the Bronze Star, with the Combat, or excuse me, the Purple Heart. He is survived by his wife, Emily, who is herself on active duty in the Navy. And uh, Pat's also survived by his parents, Tom, who is a retired Navy captain himself, and his mother, Jenny, and his sister, Regina, who is a lieutenant in the Navy as well. And his wife Emily attended the 2013 Survivors Retreat and the 2015 Survivors Summit Expedition as part of the Travis Manion Foundation. And Patrick was also honored at the TMF's first, second, and third annual West Coast Golf Tournament. As folks like Patrick Delaney Feeks, Navy SEAL serving in the United States Navy who gave the ultimate sacrifice on August the 16th, 2012. We honor and remember these heroes like Patrick and so many others who keep our country safe. And as we know, freedom is not free. But in the words of Travis himself, who spoke, if not me, then who, before deploying, deploying on that final, that final time. And you can honor the service and sacrifice of our first responders and military heroes in a variety of ways. 9-11 Heroes runs are still going on. You've got the, uh, if not me, then who, annual gala in Philadelphia as part of Army-Navy weekend. It's always held Friday night, the night before the football game. You can get a, a team uh, to join the Marine Corps Marathon that's coming up. It happens every October in Washington, D.C. And you can also, uh, veteran surviving mentors are inspiring the next generation of leaders in communities in the, across the country. And you can give and join the mission at travismanion.org. Once again, travismanion.org. We appreciate the folks at the Travis Manion Foundation for allowing us to partner with them this season once again and remember those heroes who have given the ultimate sacrifice. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right, back on episode six of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. I'm Bryce Atkinson. This is Steve Carney along with Mike Lovell, my guys, as we are taking you through, getting you ready for this weekend, uh, coming off what was obviously a big week, big weekend last weekend. However, we got some news and notes to talk about just really quickly before we get to our three games, all three teams in action this weekend. But news dropped late last week on Thursday that the Air Force Academy – uh, the probation handed down by the NCAA for two years uh, on last Thursday. The NCAA issued penalties for recruiting violations uh, at the Air Force Academy, hosting high school prospects on campus during dead periods in 2020 and providing them with improper benefits. The NCAA went on to say that the Air Force Academy and four individuals involved in the alleged violation 
violations reach an agreement with the enforcement staff while a fifth in, uh, individual who was unnamed, who I think who we know who it is, was fighting the allegation and his case will be resolved through an infractions hearing. The penalties are were as announced as follows, the reduction of 46 total official visits over the next two academic years, a ban on unofficial visits from September 1st through October the 12th, a four-week ban on recruiting communications this academic year, and a reduction in it by 34 in the evaluation days and a reduction in the size of the football roster by 10 for four years. So I ask you guys, I'll go with Steve, your reactions to the news announced by the NCAA late last week. Yeah, I was shocked uh, to be, to put it mildly, Price, uh, because this is not something that you see from a service academy. You know, service academy, the, uh, the, 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 the bar that you have to get over in order to get into a service academy is much mm -hmm. higher than it is on just about any other school in the country. And I would say it's harder to get into a service academy than it is to get into an Ivy League school. That that's just the that's just the truth. Uh, you yeah. know, it is very very difficult uh, to become a cadet or a midshipman or uh, and whatever whatever they call themselves at Air Force. Uh, you know, senior airman, uh, you know, or, or pilot wannabe uh, in the they're air cadets. Force. They're Are they cadets. cadets? Yeah, yeah, they're cadets. They're, 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 pilot, they're pilot wannabes because we all know that the Navy flies more than the Air Force. But uh, I look at it, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing that, that a service academy would have a recruiting violation because they put their standards are so high uh, when it comes to trying to get uh, there's, you know, these guys in because we can joke about the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten and the power football conferences and student athletes, as I as I put up the air quotes for those of you that are just listening to the podcast, that they, they really are student athletes at the service academies. And, and I really <clears throat> do think that having a recruiting violation is something that you don't see. Uh, you know, in service academies normally, and we and now you, you have to go. Okay, what? Why? Why did this happen? And obviously, you know, the the penalties have come down. But uh, you know, how can we make sure that the integrity of these service academies isn't called into question because of recruiting violations? Mike, you're you're. I'm curious what your thoughts on the effect that this might have because as we all know that all three of the academies kind of playing behind the eight ball as it is when it comes to the myriad of things and issues you know whether NILI, what nil um I, just the multitude of things where it's just clearly we know a different world an academy world um but part of me thinks i mean yeah you're already behind the eight ball what difference is it going to make well i mean i think it will make some difference but you're still recruiting the same, you know, pool of kids. This is not going to change the kind of student athletes that you're trying to get to campus. No, you're right. And and if you look at the sheer numbers and if you understand how college football recruiting works, 46 official visits over two years, 30, you said 34 evaluation days. Those numbers aren't in and of themselves huge numbers for a penalty. They're just not. What a lot of people don't realize uh, – 
a lot of people do realize that the service academies start behind the eight ball, not only because of the academic requirements, but also because of the military commitments afterwards that the players, uh, you know, agree to going into those academies. But the service academies are actually exempt from the NCAA recruiting guidelines because of the natural attrition of the of the three academies so they can mm-hmm. they're they're exempt from the 28 per year and they're exempt uh i'm sorry they're exempt from the 28 per year uh but what that causes is uh they don't really take a lot of walk-ons because if they start taking walk-ons the nca will, will revisit that uh will revisit that exclusion to the 28 per year uh rule so i think the biggest reduction is 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 to the roster if you're uh you know if you're tennessee or alabama or ohio state or whatever you have an 85 scholarship limit on your team but you have anywhere between 110 and 120 guys on your team so you've got 25 to 30 guys who you can run a full scout team offense and a full scout team defense and guys who can do special team specialty work while the offenses and the scout team defenses are playing uh, Air Force, Navy, and Army don't have that really. Uh, they're they're really at about 85. So a reduction in roster to me is probably the bigger of the, uh, of the, the bigger of the three penalties that that you talked about. The 46 over two years, 34 evaluation days. Those are kind of uh, you know those are uh, they're not slaps on the wrist because you know the coaches want to see players every day and they want to get as many people on campus as possible. But but they're not huge penalties. But I, I'll go back to what Steve said. It's a to, for me, it's a head scratcher. We all know, you know, everybody that covers the sport, even the fans, know that most every school interprets as liberally as possible every recruiting rule that they can. Uh, and, and most schools probably have something that borders on breaking the rules. But having people on campus in a dead period is something that really doesn't happen a lot in college recruiting. It's, for me, it's a head scratcher. I just, I just don't understand one why they would do it, and two how they think they're going to get away with it with kids posting on social media all the time. It's for me, it's a head scratcher. I, I, I think you know we were talking a little bit earlier though. I think the safety of it of you know trying to keep people safe during you know at a time when COVID was you know, running around rampant and trying to keep people safe before vaccines and everything got out while hospital um, hospitals were jammed. That seems like that was the impetus to, to rule on this quickly because that is what was the head scratcher for me is that the NCAA's enforcement staff, which is pulled in a million different directions, has gotten major, um, you know, is investigating major uh, violations across the country and how they can move this fast on one violations that happened just simply two years ago. Usually we're talking five years before anything happens at the NCAA. Now they don't do anything aren't, fast. What aren't, made this different? Aren't they, are, aren't they still investigating everything that went down at the university of Miami back in like 2006? Like yeah. they, they've got, they've got these investigations that go on for years and years and years. But th- what, this what, is why the NCAA has no credibility. A school in North Carolina, not to be named, but a university in North Carolina literally ran a fake college and the yeah. NCA stepped away from that. But I, I just I just don't. But you're right. You're right, Price. They do this in the matter of 18 months and they never touched. They never touched the university that's in North Carolina that will not be named that ran a fake college for student athletes. This is why the NCAA has no credibility. And look, I'm not taking up for Air Force here. If they did what they did, whatever. 
yeah. I, again, it's a head scratcher, but you're exactly right. I, again, this is why the NC has no credibility. There's not a consistent approach to governing the sport of college football from the NCAA. You cannot argue that point. You just can't. And we pay people millions of dollars to be this bad at their job. It's, it's yeah. infuriating for the college football fan. Well, to, to wrap it up on this, you know, when when the University of North Carolina got off with, you know, because they lawyered up, you know, they get off scot-free because what they did, because it was outside of the statute of limitations to what could, I guess, was technically punishable by the NCAA's letter of the law. I mean, what they did literally cut right at the heart of what the NCAA is all about. And if you're just going to get not even a slap on the wrist for that, then to me, the NCAA doesn't even, I mean, there's no reason for them to exist. I mean, they the should NCAA cease to exist. The NCAA exists to protect student athletes. A university in North Carolina literally ran a school, a fake school with fake student yeah. scores for athletes. The word student athlete is in the allegation. How yeah. did the NCAA step away from this? But again, we're getting away from Air Force. But but yeah. again, the inconsistent approach to governing the sport infuriates the fans. Well, let's bring it back to academics real quick uh, as we got some games to preview real quickly navy senior linebacker john marshall also announced late last week as a semifinalist for the campbell trophy which is annually bestowed by the national football foundation to the nation's top football scholar athletes so congratulations to john marshall announces a semifinalist for the campbell trophy which some of the past winners include your very own your favorite mike Peyton Manning from Tennessee, Chad Pennington from Marshall, Tim Tebow from Florida, Sam Ocho, Ocho, excuse me, from Texas, and Justin Herbert from uh, Oregon or A Bear. Is it Herbert or A Bear? I can't even remember. It's Herbert. I always say Herbert, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah, he's not from New Orleans, so so he's <laughs> he's Herbert. Chad All Pennington right. also from Knoxville. That's where he played his high school ball, right in the shadow of Newland Stadium, as a matter of fact. Oh man, no wonder he was so good, right, Mike? All right, Mike? Yeah, 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 all right. Uh, I'm getting out. Of, I'm not involved in any Tennessee Love Fest, nor will I ever be, Steve. So let's get to our three games this weekend. Tulsa at Navy is going to start us off Saturday at three thirty Eastern Standard Time. Kickoff is going to be on CBS, the CBS Sports Network. Tulsa coming into this one two and three overall, zero oh and one in the American. Navy, of course, one and three and one and one in the American. These two teams meeting for the tenth time uh the eighth time is american athletic conference foes navy navy leading the all-time series against the golden hurricane seven to two tulsa giving four points on the road uh, as the last i've seen an over under at 46 in this one guys yeah i see four and a half uh right now in some places okay you know this this is a tulsa team that really gave cincinnati a hard time last week and mm -hmm. and i really do think that uh, you know, Davis Brin, their quarterback, he's, a, again, a senior. Seniors run college football outside of the Power Five. And, and I, this is a guy that uh, I think maybe if, if they want an opportunity to win this game, they've got to find a way to put pressure on Davis Brin. Uh, he's got almost uh, 2,000, uh, I'm sorry, he's got almost 1,600 yards passing here. Uh, and so I, I really do think that you know, Tulsa is going to try and exploit Navy secondary. So it's going to be up to the front seven to try and put pressure uh, on Davis Brin to, to, uh, to try and make this uh, a lot, a little bit of a game. Uh, Tulsa, I think is going to end up winning this game though. And, and I think Navy ends up at, at one and five, which is not what you want to see, but uh, I think that's probably going to end up being the case. Yeah. Don't, don't be surprised by Tulsa's two and three record. They lost by 10 to Cincinnati this week. 
They played Ole Miss to to a one-score game in Oxford, and they took uh, Wyoming to double overtime. Wyoming, the same team that beat Air Force uh, two or three mm-hmm. weeks ago, as a matter of fact. So T- Tulsa has, in recent history, not been a very good team, but that two-and-three record is, is, is a little bit deceptive as they come into Annapolis on Saturday. I, I'm, I'm with, uh, I'm with Steve that that offense is pretty explosive. Uh, I, I think four and a half is maybe a little bit too generous for Navy. Uh, I would look for, I would look for the money to go on uh, Tulsa covering the spread there. As long as they, it's a three thirty game. So you don't have kind of the, the the kind of the lack of the wake up for a noon game so i think that plays in tulsa's favorite uh with navy's defensive woes this year um and their offensive uh lack of offensive production i i think tulsa will probably i think it will look a lot like memphis game quite honestly uh potentially navy stays close for two and a half quarters and then tulsa kind of pulls away uh, over the last quarter and a half I think a lot depends on whether Bren, Davis Bren, is able to play because he's been hobbled with an ankle injury of late. Um, I think that's going to make a big difference because he's a guy that ranks 19th nationally in touchdown passes with 12. He's only thrown three picks this year. Two of Um, them were last week against Cincinnati, too. That they were, averaging, I believe it's 15 and a half yards per completion. Now, you know, they like to run some misdirection with their uh, their running game. Philip Montgomery actually was about to be running out of town a couple of years ago. Uh, but the last time these two teams played in Annapolis, which is uh, maybe only two and two against Tulsa at home all time, but the last time they played in Annapolis was uh, in December of 2020, the COVID year. Tulsa winning 19 to six without a single fan really in the stands uh, due to COVID. That was the, the only time that uh, Ken Niamatololo coach team at Navy has lost to Tulsa, but Navy going to Tulsa last year, winning a thriller 20 to 17. I'm with you guys. I think Tulsa wins it. Uh, I think it's close. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think so much of it, at least in my book, depends on whether where, where Davis Brent is. Does he play? Is he out? We really don't know, but he has been banged up with that ankle injury. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, what happens under center with the golden hurricane. All right. Our second game of the day, it's going to be a 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time kickoff, 7 p.m. in the east on Fox Sports 1. Air Force going to Utah State. Air Force 4-1 overall, 1-1 Mountain West, while Utah State is 1-4, 0-1 in the Mountain West. Air Force, another road favorite. They're given 10 points is the last I've seen uh, to Utah State uh, on the road. Over under, I think, 55 and a half guys was the last I've seen on that. Um, meeting for the eleventh time overall, the Falcons leading this series narrowly six to four. Uh, they are two and two at Utah State, and I think we may have touched on it a little bit last week. But you know, Utah State last year, uh, that's what kept Mountain or Air Force out of the Mountain West Conference Championship game, a forty-nine to forty-five comeback win for Utah State uh, last year in a game that featured over twelve hundred yards of total offense. They were down by, uh, I think. Uh, they came back from double digits uh, deficits three times in the game, and they were trailing 35 or 45 34 with 10 minutes to go uh, en route to a comeback victory. I think Air Force is going to be chomping at the bit this week, guys. Uh, I know that Utah State has struggled, but it is at home. But after, uh, you know, struggling a little bit last week with Navy, and then considering I know last year is last year, getting back to conference play. I think Air Force is a more complete team that goes into uh, to Utah State and gets a win. I think they're going to cover in this game. 
Yeah, Utah State. You know, th- this is a program that, that previously was on the up and up. They they, they was a, they're they're a G five program that was one step away from being Boise State or UCF. They had Chucky Keaton for for uh, seemed like eight years quarterback in there. Jordan Love came from Utah State. Yep. Uh, they they were ready to take that next step and they weren't able to do it. They lost to Alabama earlier this year. They lost to FCS Weber State. And I get it. Weber State's a really good FCS team, but I, I hate it when people say that. It doesn't matter. They're still an FCS team. They don't have the resources that you have if you're in the group of five or the P5. Uh, they kind of looked a little bit uninspired against a very mediocre UNLV team, and then they lost last week to BYU. So a little bit of a letdown in a rivalry game there. Uh, most uh, what, what should scare Aggie fans is that they give up almost 200 rushing yards a game. Brad Roberts and Hazik Daniels ought to be licking their chops as they look at the uh, Utah State defensive film uh, in the meeting rooms this week. Yeah, as somebody that has seen BYU in person, uh, you know, I was I was impressed with how the Aggies played in the first half uh, against uh, BYU. But when the when the Cougars needed it, they got three touchdowns late and and were able to pull away. Uh, I, I really do think that you know, anybody who thinks this is going to be 49, 45, like it was last year is going to be sorely yeah. mistaken. Uh, and, and, but I do think that air force, like you said, price they're they're looking to make a statement here. You know, they know, and, and I would guarantee you that of the 85 guys that are on the team this year, probably 60 of them were there last year uh, at Falcon stadium when the Aggies came in and won. And so they're going to want to have a measure of revenge and nothing would be better than to go into Ogden and beat up some Aggies. Uh, and so I have a feeling that this is going to be, uh, I, I would think this is probably a two touchdown game. I think, I think they do cover and I think they cover easily. All right. Again, air force at Utah state Saturday, 7 PM Eastern standard time from Ogden. That one's going to be on Fox sports one last, but not least, Another game that it resembled that Air Force-Utah State game last year that was an absolute shootout. Will it be again this coming Saturday? We will find out. But 1-3 Army going to number 15, Wake Forest at 4-1 overall. A 7.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern Standard Time Saturday night. That one can be seen on ESPN3. We're also, I believe it's going to be broadcast also on the Yes Network. Wake Forest giving 17 points. The last I've seen in this one, over under at 67 and a half. Uh, last year, Wake Forest scored more than 67 by themselves. It was a shootout, 70 to 56. Um, these two teams combined for 1,233 yards of total offense. Wake Forest is Sam Hartman. It was nearly flawless in the football game. He could do no wrong. 23 to 28, 458 yards, five touchdowns. I'm going to stop right there because it seemed like it broke almost all Mikey Stadium offensive records last year. Sam Hartman, yes, that same Sam Hartman is back for the number 15 Demon Deacons. Um, they're giving 17. I, call me crazy, a night game uh, in Winston-Salem. I what Army has just had a knack for these big, you know, Power Five opponents. Part of it, guys, I know it goes cuts totally against the grain. There's something that just tells me my gut says that they're going to cover this. I don't think they're going to beat Wake Forest, but going on the road at night, a Power Five opponent, these are the moments that Army has it literally has lived for and played for the last couple of years, it seems like. I think they're going to cover, but I think Wake wins. 
I don't know, Price. I, I I would actually take Wake Forest here. I think Dave Clawson, right. you know, Dave Clawson's the next guy to, to step up at one of these uh, big time historic schools. I think his offense is probably uh, a one half step above Jamie Chadwell's offense that he runs at Coastal Carolina. It's a very comprehensive offense. I think Wake Forest's defense is probably better than it was. I know it's better than it was last year. I think Army's defense is not even close to the caliber it was last year. Uh, Wake Forest has clearly shown the ability to have a successful year last year and come back and challenge for the ACC championship this year. They've beat uh, they beat Vanderbilt, they beat Florida State, and they took Clemson to two overtimes. Wake Forest is a legitimate Power Five conference contender, a conference championship contender. Army is not at the same level they were last year. They are one or two rungs below uh, where they were last year. If you just look at the, if you look at the performances they've put on tape, they are one or two rungs below what they were last year. I, 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 I think Wake Forest. Uh, unfortunately, I think Wake Forest runs away with this game. Yeah, Steve, I, 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 I tend to agree. Yeah, Steve, I agree with everything Mike said. However, I'm telling you, let the record reflect. Army, every time, whether it's Oklahoma, I mean, they have played toe-to-toe. I, I, I get that it on paper, Wake Forest should win probably by 40, but it's not. you got to play the game. It's a gut feeling, Steve. You, you do have to play the game, Price. But as Mike said, this is a team that took Clemson to two overtimes and yep. just beat Florida State by 10 points. And Florida State, you know, everybody here in, in, in this state, we're, we're talking about, oh, is Florida State back? Is Florida State back? Are they, are they the, and you know what? Florida State is not the team to beat in the ACC. Uh, the team to beat in the ACC may end up being Wake Forest. And I would not be surprised to see the Demon Deacons and the Clemson Tigers clashing one more time for an ACC championship. I would love to see that. You know, I, I really do think that that Wake Forest, for anybody who is kind of surprised uh, or kind of shocked at the ACC, go watch Wake Forest. They are the real deal. I think You're that good. This, yeah. this, this isn't, this isn't a, a 30 or a 40-point game, but don't be surprised if this isn't 24 or 28. Wake leads. Mm-hmm. Here's the, here's the other thing, Price. Wake has a bye week after this week, so you, you know it's not like they're looking ahead. This isn't a trap yeah. game. They get a bye week, then they get Boston College, who's not a terribly good team. No, Boston so College it, is a bad team. <laughs> yeah, so so it's not like they're looking ahead. They have a bye week after this, so they they can fully invest in defending the the flex bone. I just I, I don't I don't think anything's lining up for Army. Pre, you know when they when they went to Michigan, when they when they took Oklahoma to overtime, when they played Wisconsin to the last drive. You know, those teams were playing another conference opponent the week after. Um, yeah, again, that's that's doing a little bit of disservice to those Army teams. Those were good teams, very competitive, and they earned those close losses. Uh, but I just I just don't see that same. Uh, I don't see those same markers for this team going into this game, unfortunately. All right, I expect my phone to be blowing up on Saturday night when Wake is up by 60 in the fourth quarter saying I told you so. And I also expect it to be blowing up when it's a uh, a touchdown difference with uh with a, you know, buck and change left. So either way, I'll, I'm going to hear it from you guys for for sticking my neck out for the Black Knights on this one and thinking that they're going to go in there and give Wake Forest uh, a tussle. I hope I'm tussling. wrong. I, ho- I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a competitive game down to the last drive. Nothing right, again. Nothing. I don't have that feeling. Nothing yeah. is more enjoyable than watching Army make games close. I don't think it's oh, true. Well, 
it it's a beautiful site. Seven thirty kickoff. It'll be a beautiful site there in Winston Salem as the number fifteen Deacon Demon Deacons hosting Army on ESPN three and the Yes Network. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. What do we miss? I think we hit on everything uh, as we're run out of time tonight. Um, again, three games this weekend. You got uh, Navy hosting Tulsa in the afternoon. Should be a beautiful weekend in Annapolis. Air Force is hitting the road, heading to Ogden, Utah to take on Utah State. And a of course, beautiful a game. place to play a game. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And of course, Army at Wake Forest. Don't forget the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. We're part of them all season long. We're not going anywhere. Search College Gridiron Coast to Coast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Download, listen to Yards and Stripes. We come to you with a new episode every single Tuesday. Don't miss it. We get you set for Saturday kickoffs with Army, Navy, and Air Force, and that's what we do here on Yards and Stripes. So, for my guys, Steve Carney, Mike Lovell, and Price Atkinson, enjoy the games this weekend. Have a great week. We appreciate you taking the time and investing with us to listen to Yards and Stripes again this week. We'll see you next week. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.